Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, Todd Helms with another episode of the Wingman Podcast. Coming at you live and in person out here in Enid, Oklahoma. We're fresh off a crane hunt this morning with The Outfit down here in Enid, Oklahoma. And I am joined today by Gage Biggers. Gage is our guide this morning, and you help run this show. Yep, for the most part. Yeah. Try to. Anyway, we, uh, we, do, we all do our best, play our own part. But everybody, uh, everybody has their own, plays their own role here. So. Yeah, how many of you guys are, are on staff? There's, there's four people for four, the time. Four people. That's it. Four it's, people. It's all of us. And Shane's the owner. Shane's the owner. Okay, cool. So, this morning, walk us through it. Man. It was a good, I thought it was a good shoot. Yeah, it was. It was a good shoot for a two mile an hour wind with the biggest species of migratory game bird that you can hunt. Right. You know, uh, on top of that, we had the sun on our face. Uh, we didn't have the most ideal hide at all. I mean, that was an okay hide, but. I liked, I liked what you did with the hide this morning. When we pulled up, and we're looking at this Milo field that's, I'm assuming that was in a no-till cornfield, is what that was. Yep, Milo, no-till Milo field. Yep, no-till Milo. So we had these stalks to hide in, and there was nothing else. Yeah. It, was it wasn't no brush, there wasn't an understory to it, and it was right next to a winter wheat field, which is that tall, that long. Right. And you're not hiding in that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you used the topography you use the little dip yeah. in the landscape yeah. to help hide us. Yeah, sometimes sometimes those old school farmers help you a little bit, but uh, they don't like standing water in their field. So that's a man-made drainage ditch there mm -hmm. that, that we sat in. And that, that could have been made in the 80s, could have been made in the 60s. Right. But but that was a definitely man-made ditch on the uh, north side of that field. You can you used to hold water, and it still holds a little bit of okay. water there. And, and the farmer, whenever, dug that out and drained it all to the ditch in the road. So that if if that farmer didn't like water standing in his field, we wouldn't have had that ditch. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Because it was it was exactly what we needed and honestly I think it was probably the only reason we got any birds in the decoys at all. Absolutely. Because like you said, we had no wind. Mm -hmm. And those birds, man, you could see them come up off the river and just and they would glide forever and I'm thinking okay this is gonna work and they get about 300 yards out and start to flap their wings and I'm like mm -hmm. okay maybe not I've never hunted cranes before until today when you think they're coming you wait 10 minutes you look up and they're still coming yeah that's, that's how they are they're just slow slow flying birds they're they've got a lot to work with especially with no wind and, you know they've they've got to do all the work themselves right that way they have, they have no, no factors to play with so you gotta you gotta mess with what you got. Like you said with that, that ravine that we had, it was it was the only thing we had to really work with in that field. And those birds were hopping from wheat to Milo. And that, that field is 160 acres with cut straight down the middle, Milo and wheat. Mm -hmm. So that's what we just redid what the birds were doing the day before. And uh, those those tall Milo stocks helped us a little bit there yeah. because because my main goal, like you said on the hunt, the, the birds that were high were cut. But the birds that were low, we, we, we at least had a chance to work with. And, and that's what I was banking on, was, was low birds hopping over 
from from the river to us real low. Um, and, and that Milo stubble, that tall Milo stubble, just blocks out what they could see with us being in that low spot. Right. So. And we weren't in the decoys. We were sitting to the, to the west of the decoys, trying to get those birds, keep their attention on the decoys and off of us. So they're not looking at, at the best height we can put together. Right, right. But it was, that was, that was my first crane hunt. I've never done, I've never done that before. I had no idea what to expect. Well, of course you, you see, if you go on social media or YouTube and you type in crane hunts, all you see are rain outs. You know, right. where guys are, there's 15 dudes in A-frames and they're just raining birds out of the sky. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But we're a handful of days away from the end of the season here. Yeah, this is this is the latest anybody's hunting cranes right here. I right, mean, it's it's unheard of really to hunt cranes even even after January fifth, January first here. Like nobody, if you if you've got a good feed, you can hunt the cranes. Um, but it's not like day in and day out hunting cranes. In January, okay, and that's what we're doing right now. You know, it's I don't know the third crane hunt the last week, which is which is crazy to me. I can't imagine that because those birds were tough. Tough, tough, tough this morning. Yeah, granted, you get some weather, get some wind, you probably kill a few more birds, but we ended up killing six. Quiet. We ended up killing six birds. Okay. And it was, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, it was it was constant action all day, and we were just, you know, like I said, working with what we had, had to play with. There just wasn't a whole lot of key factors we could we can pull in and walk we, I tried to pull every every trick out of my sleeve on them. Like like you said, we had we the majority of our decoy spread was to the right of us. Right. You know, forty yards. They were our furthest decoy was sixty yards, seventy yards away from us. And we kinda did that thinking if we did get a wind it was supposed to be out of the south. Yep. And so it was gonna they were gonna cross right in front of us hopefully and there just wasn't enough wind to make it do anything. But we had birds centered up. Mm -hmm. One volley was centered right up. There were some birds that landed on the first couple birds we got killed were on the right side. It was everybody got their everybody got a bird. Yep. And we got to take a bird home. So that was cool. I I I enjoyed it. You know, I grew up watching those things not being able to hunt them. Yeah. And hunting early Canada's in September and you're in an oat stubble field and you're covered in cranes. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cranes. And fields that look like that one that we looked at after we got done hunting today, mm -hmm. just loaded with cranes, and you couldn't hunt them. Yep. And it was like, man, someday I want to hunt these things. And then in Wyoming, we can hunt them, but you can shoot one. It's a draw. You get a tag. You can shoot one like a turkey. And it's kind of like, mm, okay, I want to go someplace that I can put decoys out and I can have a hunt. So that was this morning was, I don't know, man. That was a big check mark for me. <laughs> that was that was super cool. That wasn't a you know very traditional way to hunt them. That's you know that's not how we usually hunt them. But Shane and I were talking about it the other day that the decoy ratio from birds you've seen to birds you de decoy. Like today the birds weren't flying. They weren't they weren't side sweeping us around. They were just flying directly over us and mm -hmm. And that's that's late season crimes. They I don't know if they know the gigs up. They know what a decoy looks like. They, but that's just late season cranes because you go from November. It's it's like a two thirds decoy rate. You can be done in an hour. You, I've had hunts where it's done in twenty minutes with eleven guys. Wow! And it's and it's that's early November. Well, you get down to mid December, 
and it was like a third. Some hunts, the best hunts were a half deep race, you know, for, you know, if you have eight birds come in one volley, they don't like it, the next ones just come right in like it's, it's nothing. And so now it's like to a tenth, you know, of what we saw today. And it's, and it's been consistent, it's consistently going down. Getting worse. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Which makes sense, you know, it's, that's what you would expect in any late season scenario, you know, you get in late season honkers, you know, I, I was telling you this morning, it reminded me a lot of hunting late season um, giant Canada's in, in Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those birds, they're super familiar with the area, they're old, they've seen it all, and they just don't decoy. Yeah. You know, I've seen them literally not even land next to each other in the field. They'll go land 200 yards away and then walk together, and it'll be, you see that all the time. Yeah, that's what makes it worse about cranes is, we were talking about that earlier today, is there's just not a lot of them, like there is geese right. or ducks or anything else. And, and at that point too, they also don't hatch as many eggs as a goose or As a crane only hatches two eggs a year. Two eggs. If they're lucky. So their, their reproduction rates a lot slower. Uh -huh. You know, their hatch rate's a lot smaller. You're hunting a lot of the same birds that have been hunting over and over and over again, and that's why they're still here is because they're so smart. We would have wiped cranes out a long time ago just like whooping cranes if, you know, they weren't as smart as they are. And so that's just part of it. And they're hard bird to hunt. Well, I'm, we got crane breasts sitting over there in bulk ice water right now getting cooled off. We're going to cook them here in a little bit. And I'm pretty stoked about that. I've never eaten it. I've heard awesome things about it. So I'm excited. To, I'm excited to fire up a hot pan and, and sear some crane breast up. But how would completely go off tack here? You're 22 years old, just pretty much fresh out of college. And you told me that you were in sales before this. And you said, you know what? You're doing, you're doing both, you're guiding and in sales. And he said, you know what, I'm just gonna guide. That's what I wanna do. How did, how did you get started in this? I mean, I'm assuming you've been a hunter for, yeah, probably since you could walk. Yeah, yeah, I've been hunting for, you know, my whole life. And, and funny story, I've actually, I owned a, my first decoy trailer two years before I had my driver's license. Nice. And my dad, my dad's never shot a duck or goose in his life. So my dad spent a lot of his time driving me around, dropping off the trailer, unloading the decoys, or, you know, coming with the decoys in the bed of a pickup, dropping me off, I'll call him at noon or pick me up before lunch. Whether I'm having a bad time, if I'm freezing cold, or, you know, anything, he'd pick me up around lunch, noon, something like that. Did, so for a guy for a guy that doesn't, that never did it, how did you get hooked on it? Man, I don't know. I just, uh, I, went on, I went on one hunt, I remember the hunt, and it was one of those where Dad dropped me off, and I, uh, and I think we shot me and my buddy. It was two of us. We shot 16 geese on a pond, and that was ever since that day. Well, was, I was hooked because it was one of those things where you could. I mean, we probably had eight shells out. Those geese weren't coming to our decoys, but in yeah. my mind they were. Right. You know, they were just coming to that pond, mm -hmm. and um, and and to be honest with you, I didn't even know what those what was going to happen on that pond. I was just setting up on the pond just to hunt because I didn't know how to do it. And we were sitting in the trees just hanging out. 
all of a sudden three, four, five hundred geese are landing on me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to call a shot on that many or anything like that. And, and ever since that day, I've just been birds on my mind ever since. I just, you know, appreciate any bird more than anything else. So I did grow up quail pheasant quite a bit. Sure. And, uh, you know, that, I like it a lot, but I, I the upland birds, I, uh, I appreciate them more just surviving than anything else, especially quail in these parts, because when I first started quail hunting, you could flush 10, 12 cubs a day, and now if you flush two, three, you're having an average day. Sure. You know, and, and a stellar day, you can flush 19, 20 cubs. Now it's just piss poor, and I'm, uh, the birds are still here. You know, this year it's a little different than most, with, you know, the weather, but, you know, I, I like to, I like to watch the quail and pheasant grow, and. Yeah, you know, like turkey hunt in the spring quite a bit. You guys have some phenomenal turkey hunting, you were saying? Yeah, yeah, we uh, all Rios, and uh, we do pretty darn good, especially for just a few of us taking out, you know, 40 people a year. Sure. It's, uh, we hunt every single day of the season. That's it's, awesome. So just like water fossils. You know? So when do you sleep? Oh, <laughs> uh, like an all nap after a fishing trip in July. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Now you're young, man. Twenty-two years old. You don't need to sleep. You got that. You got this covered. But so you, you started out, got out of college, and just decided, I want a guy, yeah. and got a hold of. I'm assuming you knew Shane. Yeah, I knew Shane. Yeah, I've been with Shane since the start of this. So, so I guided my first turkey hunt without the clients knowing after my senior call. Nice. Got two turkeys. That was my first time ever guiding somebody, you know, getting paid to hunt or getting paid to take people hunting. And, uh, I've, ever since then, I've been just yeah. and, and full seasons too. So, turkey season that senior year of high school, I was taking people out. They didn't know how old I was, and there's never had a complaint. That, you know, there's there's some times where my immaturity showed. Sure. Um, but but now I'm, I'm aware of what I was where I was wrong at those four or five years ago and, and you know, now I kind of know how to play the game. This is what I've been doing. This is all I want to do. So That's cool. You know, you know, it has its times with frustrations and, you know, you butt heads with somebody else and that, that's in the job in business. That is the truth. You know, I don't care what you do for a living. People listening to this are going to be like, yeah, but how hard is it to, you know, take people hunting, yada, 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 yada. Well, we can get into that. The schedule, first of all. But you talk about button heads. You're 22 years old. I would imagine you probably get clients, especially when the shooting's not hot, yeah. that are question your lack of experience Absolutely. because you're young. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I get, I get. I don't get that too often. I, and I've, I've got it before, where, where mid hunt somebody's holding it. It's just like oh, I tell them, and they're like, oh, okay. Well, you know, we want to change or something like that. You know, like well, I'll get that right after, no matter whether the hunt's good, the hunt's bad. Um, That's kind of just chafe, man. It does. It does. So, so a lot of times I ignore that question. Yeah. A lot of times I just. You know, I just, you know, I'm old enough, 
you know, or whatever. I just, I just don't answer it just because uh, the minute I answer that, either say my, my tips will, you can kiss those goodbye. People, people think, well, he's, you know, he's only 22, he doesn't need that much money, or something like that. But I'm, I, you know, I'm still chasing the dream. Chasing I was going to say, it, you're, it, you're doing a job. It, it'll blow your mind what people do. And, you know, I've, got, I've, I've experienced, you know, almost every day, been able to be with somebody on the best time of their life. Sure. And, uh, you know, that to me means more than And I would bet that the majority of those folks are appreciative. You know, we're talking about instances that are probably pretty rare. Yeah, I'm absolutely, assuming. absolutely. Yeah, you know, like two to three times a year. Yeah. You know, some somebody that's hard headed and might might show up, and you know, they've they've got different expectations of what it is. You know, they might think it should be, you know, I, I, I lay the duck in front of them type type deals. Where, yeah. You know, you got to pull the trigger and shoot the duck at the end of the day, and you have to shoot when I tell you to. Mm -hmm. And that's. That's the hardest point to get across with some people is, is everybody's got their own different style of hunting and their different thought process on hunting. The way I like to hunt and the way I think a good hunt should go and will be, doesn't matter on, on how many birds we kill, but a good hunt. Um, and sometimes my best hunts have been 12 birds or six birds. We, had, we shot six birds this morning had blast. We did. We did. And, and that's, that goes down to the people you're hunting with you know, and, and their attitudes. Right. Towards all of it is. Those guys were great this morning. Absolutely. You know, that was a, the deal with them was they were headed, spent a couple days with, a, with another outfitter, a different outfitter, and had struggled. Mm -hmm. And he, from what I could gather, listening to them talk, they were pretty frustrated. And it sounded like he didn't necessarily put forth a lot of effort. Yeah. And so they started looking around and got a hold of the outfit. And they were with us this morning. They were super appreciative that we. They, I'm thinking, dude, I'm just here tagging along. You know, you guys are the ones that are paying for this. You know, to be here, and you're, you're, you know, clients. I'm just like kind of a fly on the wall here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they're a good, they're a good people, and you just you got to treat your clients right. And, and I get things have been tough. I've had, I've had tough times. You know, earlier in the season, it was 80, it was guiding duck hunts 84 degrees, Jeez. 85 degrees. And, you know, we don't have a lot, a lot to work with. Right. That? And then the next night, it's 10 degrees. How are you supposed to pattern a bird? Well, you know, things get tough and, and you can only say so much without, you know, trying to look like you're covering something up, even though all in my head, and the same thing's going over and over and over. We have bad weather, bad wind, you know, it's just, cloudy every day and 84 degrees it's just the worst hunting ever and it's and it's tough and sometimes you go through those days where, where you only kill a couple of birds mm -hmm. but you gotta you know you gotta have a good attitude behind it you can't give them something else to complain about right like, like waiting on your clients to get there to start sitting up that shows you're banking on them to help you you know little things like that where you you can't have expectations with your clients um higher expectations you got to set the bar low and, and hope for the, for the best. You know, kind of take what take what comes. Yep. Roll yep. with it. Yeah. There's. We were talking about this before before you know kind of had some great truck conversations, and you were saying I get I get asked a lot by younger people in various platforms. Man, I want to be a guide, but I don't have any idea how how to get started in it. 
Well, here's Gage, it's 22 years old, and he figured it out. What would you tell somebody, a kid coming out of high school or coming out of college mm -hmm. that wants to get into this? Yeah, yeah. the first first thing you really got to work on is, is your parents knowing about yourself. You know, if, most of your clients are going to be older people. Right. You know, they're going to be 60, 70, 80. Uh, you know, the vast majority of my clients anyway are, are longer than I am. They're the, they're the ones got, that can afford got grandkids as old as me. There you go. And yeah. Uh, and that's and that's where you've got to be able to cater to those guys and, and you've got to be able to connect with anybody anytime. And it doesn't matter if they're author of a Christian book or they're, you know, millionaires that, that work for, you know, other business, big business. Like you've got to be able to to, to narrow down your your routes and, and be able to have niche conversations with people that, that show your intelligence and, and your character. You know, you can't have people. You can't, you can't, you have to be able to hold a conversation. That's, sure. that's the first and foremost of people. Um, and, and if you're going to go talk to somebody and ask for a job, you've got to be able to ask for that the right way. You can't go in there and, and, and send pictures of, of a hunter geese laying down. This is my hunt. Yeah, it's that that raises eyebrows when, when you're shooting at geese. But also, if I've taken buddies on hunts where we shot a hundred geese and, and they showed up at a hunt. You know, and I don't know who's got what or doing anything. So, so killing birds is really like third on the list <laughs> of of being able to be a guide. You just got to be trainable. And if you're not trainable, you're hard-headed, uh, and you've got to be able to listen to you know people maybe even younger than you or because because age age really doesn't matter as, as long as experience shows you know and you've got to be able to learn on your own that's another big one that's been hard is, is just common sense you know you got to be able to know how to open a gate you know we've had people shutting gates behind their own trucks and have to get out and redo it and just little things like that where you have to have common sense to, to not show your ignorance or, you know, just something that I, if I've done it 50 times in front of you and then you show up and you ask me to do it again because you can't do it, you know, it's... You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. you got to be able to be observant and learn on your own because if you're not observant on the little things that we're doing, how are you going to be observant when we're hunting? Changing yeah. decoy spreads, starting setting spreads, brushing lines, etc. I mean, the list goes on. Everything that you have to be able to pay attention to. That's a really good point. You know, the the little things equate to the big things. Yep. There's a lot of big things are just made up of a lot of little things. And if you, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. That that's solid advice. We just got joined by another guy here at the outfit, Dylan. Dylan, introduce yourself, man. Dylan Poston uh, from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, uh, up here. Kicking it full time with uh, with Gage and Shane, been helping out for about the last five years, kind of part time on weekends and stuff. And it kind of kind of just got to the point where uh, I can justify doing it full time. So cool. Been up here since November fourth, dude. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Good for you. How did you? Get, we we know we know the backstory on this guy on this cat. And what what's your backstory? How did you get into this? 
how to get into hunting period or how to yeah, yeah. I mean what outfit. what's your hunting story and then how did that transition into what you're doing now right so uh, didn't kill my first duck until I was 17 years old um, didn't grow up in a hunting family it's something I kind of discovered on my own and uh, just sort of fell in love with it and decided it was what I wanted to do uh, when I was in college I got a job at Cabela's and uh, kind of worked my way up there and uh, you know just always knew I wanted to be in the outdoor industry sure so uh, went in on the retail side that's how I got hooked up with Shane through a mutual friend at Cabela's and uh, been up here running and gunning with him and uh, he invited me to come along full-time this year here I am cool did, now you got, did you scout this morning? Yes, sir. Well, I hunted this morning. You hunted this morning. Yeah. You, you had clients this morning. Yeah. How did you guys do? Uh, we did all right. Uh, birds were acting weird. Uh, it's real cold, no wind, and uh, bluebird skies. So uh, the big groups didn't want to do it. Sounds but, familiar. Uh, yeah. yeah but, but we were getting we were getting you know you know ten to thirty in the spread and laying into them pretty good. And you were hunting geese. Yeah. Yeah. Little, little geese. Little geese. We're, I think we're doing that tomorrow. I think that's the, pro the program for tomorrow, and I'm stoked because uh, you know we've kind of been chatting and visiting. We can shoot. We don't get a lot of little geese. You know, it's, it's mostly big geese, and so little geese do it different. They did. They do it different, and I'm super excited to, to like just tear it on because that that that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's you, don't, fun. you don't pick out one bird to shoot at. Yeah, you, know, so you, you you shoot into the biggest wad. Mm -hmm. Shoot the wall. That's what we tell all the clients is, is when, when we have a big big spin of little geese. Say there's a thousand geese, you know, working all the way down. It's it's a tear step going down like a tornado is what it looks yeah. like if you're looking at it from the road. And and once they get there, we'll wait till there there's not just one wall of birds, but on that spin, there's one that runs into two in the back. And you can lay lay into all of them at once. Right. So, so there's virtually no way to miss. You know, is the idea behind it. Sometimes you've got groups that if you've got the wind straight at your back, you or straight from the side, you, you're not going to hit them on the swing like that. Sure. Where sure. You're just going to have a big rain out on the sometimes. But same thing when you're landing birds too. When you're landing birds in the spread, and, you know, you call it the first two guys that jump up and shoot. You know, they're going to. They're gonna shoot the ones in the air wall, but you know, 30, 40 birds that are in the deeks are gonna jump up and you just send all three, send it to the plug right at the wall of geese and it ends up in some pretty good rain outs. We tell people all the time, you know, whenever, whenever you've got a wall in front of you, just empty your gun all three times. Don't worry about picking a bird. You know, just shoot. Just Don't shoot. worry about hitting the dang decoys either. Just shoot your <laughs> yeah, Just yeah. shoot, shoot your gun. The only thing you can worry about is a dog, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Make sure there's air under what you're shooting at. Oh. Speaking of dogs, who was that? That was Finn. Uh, he's my pup, 12 weeks old. Uh, we picked him up the day after Christmas from uh, Jared Dowell in Manhattan, Kansas. So, if you're looking for a reputable breeder, he's your guy. That's super cool. And you have an SOK North dog. Yes, you do. Yeah. And so he's out of uh, Bruno and Pet. Okay. That's, it, that's the. The, his parents, so he's, he's a lot like his dad. I got to run his dad when I was in uh, Mississippi in March. Okay. It was, it, they're, they're almost identical. Bodies. Are they? Yeah. It's funny you say that because I've got I've got Hondo who is a um, Cedar and Fia 
Mm -hmm. And he looks exactly like Cedar. Yeah. He's like a thinner version because he's young right now, but he looks just like that's him. That's how Enzo was when I picked him up. Was he looked exactly like his dad, just 10 pounds lighter. His neck wouldn't feel that out yep. yet. And now that, now that he's two, I mean, him and his dad are almost identical dogs. If, yep. if you're looking at a photo of it. I can tell one last night when I walked around, you told me, you told me he was an SOK North dog, and now that you told me he's a Bruno pod, I'm like, uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But, so, Finn, mm -hmm. like, as in fishing or? No, uh, Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry is, Finn. Is where his name comes from, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, his dad is uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Uh, all names Rock. He gets run by Justin Jackson out of Texoma Retrievers in uh, Kingston, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, uh, got a sack pedigree. So I've got, I've got big hopes for the little guy. So cool. he's, he's getting to do all sorts, of, all sorts of puppy stuff. He's getting socialized, getting to chew on goose heads in the pile. And, you know, he goes out on setups and pickups and cool. gets to chase wings and do all kinds of fun puppy stuff. So That's awesome. And I think that's huge, too. You know, and we're... It's, it's funny how fast conversation goes to dogs, you know, <laughs> especially when they're around, but yeah. they're such an integral part of the book. They program, are, so. they are. And I, you know, last night we're sitting around here having dinner and there's seven dogs running around, eight dogs running around, and I'm just like, I'm even talking to people, I just want yeah. to be with the dogs, you know, I just, yeah, they're, they're a huge part of it, but, so back into, one of the, before you jumped in, one of the questions that we were talking about was like, like you know, I get asked all the time, how do you get into guiding? You know, I'm, I'm a young guy, how do you get into it? And we talked about being presentable, having a work ethic, being willing to learn. Right. You know, what? what's your take? Uh, you know, the the word you use is presentable, and that's that's, I think that's the most important thing. Obviously, you know, You've got to you've got to be able to to present yourself well to clients and you know uh, read the room um, you know don't don't uh, try and leave you know politics out of it and stuff like that you know just just uh, you know it's all about the birds it's about having a good time it's about uh, getting together and the camaraderie and, right. and all that so uh, just you know, don't be a jackal basically. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a jack. <laughs> times, times get tough, and, and you can kind of see a guy, you know, when they show up. If, if things aren't going how they're supposed to be going, or times get tough on birds or something right. like that, it's you'll you'll see somebody's true character. Sure. Know? And and if you get mad, it's normal. You know, if you get frustrated, that's normal. Sometimes you might, you know, spout something off you shouldn't have, and come back and say sorry later. Yeah. You know, it's, that's part of it, and that happens anywhere you go. But but if you go around the corner and, and you, you're telling a buddy something that, you know, you shouldn't be saying or, or you're the best at what you do, it's, it, it's you know, that's all wrong. You just, that's that's when you can see somebody's true colors. Sure. It's when times get tough. And, yeah, right. and, you know, for anybody on frustrations, it's, you know, You'll see somebody's true color, but but that still can be a good thing. You can see how somebody handles a situation, and um, you don't know that until you're there. Yeah. You know, we've lost guys 
a lot of guys. Not really a lot, but two or three, which is a lot for us. Right. Um, because, you know, everybody's a key player here. We don't have a lot of people to, to play in and out. You know, if you're here, you have to be. You can't, you can't be going for a week at a time doing ski trip. You can't. Right. You, you got to be able to sacrifice all that stuff. And we just lost guys that, that just couldn't make it on the time when things were tough. When things were great, you know, they were able to post something on Instagram oh, yeah. and be able to keep chugging along. But when times got tough and clients come to you saying, well, so-and-so said this about you or, you know, whatever. And you're like, okay, well, right. And that's, that's one of the biggest parts of it too, is, is how you handle yourself. The thick skin. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody's, when somebody's being an a-hole or, you know, some, when birds are tough, whatever. Yeah. You know, we all, we all lived together for, for the better part of four months. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, ten, tensions can get high and, you know, everyone, everyone has an opinion on how they, how they think things should be done, you know, how you should, how you should set this up and how you should do that. And it's, it's just about, you know, kind of navigating those situations and, and coming together as a team and, sure. and figuring out what the, what the best, what the best, you know, solution is to whatever yeah. problem it is, whether it's, you know, a setup for geese or whether, you know, you're having a personal problem with your buddy or something like right. that, you know, it's about, it's about coming together as a team and, and, you know, it's, it's such a cliche and it gets, gets overused, I think, but, you know, it is, it is a very, you know, family type atmosphere. Right. So, uh, family slash frat house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The family exactly. frat house. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so. Uh, you know, just kind of adding on to what gave us that Just being able to come together is yes. pretty teamwork. Yeah. You know, like you said, you're, you guys are a small crew, so if you can't work together, you can't, come, you can't make it work as a team, I would imagine stuff goes sideways pretty fast. But what about where you are, you know, location-wise? Obviously, Oklahoma, this part of Oklahoma, especially, is a good spot to be. It's a good spot to hunt. But say you're a kid living in Vermont and you want to get into this, how, how would you even begin? Do you just pick it up and go someplace where there's birds? Move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Move yeah. Or, or do it, you know. Do what Harrison We were does. talking about yesterday is like Harrison came as a client two years ago. And I remember this is Thrasher. Yeah, yeah. Thrasher. Thrash Doll. Yeah. Thrash Doll. He, yeah. uh, he he came as a client. And I remember his first hunt. We were goose hunting, and um, he pulled his dog out. And, and we usually don't allow dogs. And it's just because, say, if we've got two guys on the end, you know, there's part of a separate group, but everybody's okay with hunting together. You know, it's that's if you have a client dog show up and it's and it's his first time hunting and it's eight years old, we've had. You know, you just you gotta be able to read all that stuff out. And right. so you can't you can't let another client you've gotta be the fault. Okay. You know, if you're not the fault, it's and it's a client from another group, it's uh it's hard. Even if it's a client out of the same group and one guy's not doesn't really know him, but they both have a mutual friend that brought him here. You know, somebody's somebody's gonna get upset about something. So you don't usually do that. You thrash brought his dog. Said he's a good dog. And, you know, we didn't really know much about the dog. And he said it was his first ever field hunt. So, you know, here we go. Dog's first field hunt. It's two years old. 
second season. So really first full season. Um, and that dog, I mean, the first bird it picked up, it went 90 miles an hour, came right back, went right back in the blind, never broke, never, you know, no issues. And then he did a blind. It was probably 350-yard blind, and the dog did it better than any dog we've ever had come through here probably. You know, it's just like, holy smokes. <laughs> I remember offering him money for the dog in the barn. Yeah. I said, how old's that dog? He said, two or one and a half. I said, because it's paid. And he said, yeah, it's paid. I said, well, there's your first mistake. It's paid your dog. When it's that good of a dog, you know, and, and he didn't know it at the time what she'd turn into. But then he, uh, I said, I'll, I'll give you, I think I'll give like 10 grand for it right there. I said, I'll give you $10,000 for that dog. He said, no, I don't know. No, I'm getting there. I just turned down 35 in Arkansas. And then he turned down 35 in Arkansas <laughs> a week later, or right after us, he swung, swung, swung through Arkansas and somebody offered him 35 Oh my gosh. But, but Thrash showed up, he, he looked the part, he had a, he had a super awesome dog, which was a big bonus, but, but it, that wasn't a make or break line. So we were talking about Thrash, we had to slop for a minute because of the cameras were, we had to adjust, readjust because of the sun and different things, but Thrash shows up, he offered him 10K for his dog because it's awesome. Then he, a week later he goes to Arkansas and he's offered 35K for the dog. Yep. And he turns it down. And now he's here no, he's as here. a guy. Yeah. We said, I asked, if you live in a state that doesn't have a lot of birds or a lot of opportunity, what do you got to do? And both of you were like, move, mm -hmm. leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thrash was willing to sacrifice, you know, three months of his life to come up here or come down here. He's from Maryland. Um, so he comes over here for the whole season, November through beginning of February. Mm -hmm. And last year he ended up staying a little bit longer because of snowstorm. But, you know, he was... He was at Shane's family Christmas. You know, you got to be willing to sacrifice those things. And um, he, uh, like I said, he came with the dog, and he he was, uh, if, if you were a client from another group, you would have thought he was a guy while I was here. Really? Yep. He, and, you know, his dad was here, but he, he was freelancing on his way up here. And then, you know, he looked the part. He, he carried himself well. He didn't talk over somebody. He didn't initiate his opinion mm -hmm. on anything even though I'm sure at some point he might have had one on, on how something might be done or set up or hide or dog work or etc the list goes on and and he uh, you know was just there and then he asked good questions the whole time he was here you know you know a lot of people don't have the extra funds to be a paying client somewhere to apply for a job nonchalantly but but you know he was lucky enough to be able to do that and it turned out, you know, to where he is now. It's just, and he didn't even come here to be a guide. He he came here, just showed up, started setting spreads, helping. You know, he went out with us two hours before anybody else did. His dad was sleeping in the hotel as he was setting up decoys, and and it was just because he wanted to learn what we were doing and how we were moving and everything like that. And you know, and even at the time, we you know weren't in this, didn't have these facilities, and you know, didn't even have as good of equipment. You know, he just, I think he saw the potential of, of where we will go. And, um, you know, we liked him as a person. And he liked us as a person. We became, became pretty good friends over the, the off season. And then just told him, dude, you should come back next right. year. Right. Um, and I think last year he came uh, after Christmas, he was going to graduate college. 
um, before he uh, moved down here to work full time. And so he, he came here for the whole month of January and half a month of February and then late goose. Just on a limb. I mean, he just up and left. Everybody, his girlfriend, all that. And I think that might have even uh, affected his relationship. Probably. Um, between Probably. that and his fishing. But, but he's got a pretty good gig, too, uh, with the fishing deal. Yeah, he was telling me a little bit about that last night at Supper. It sounds super interesting, the tournament stuff that they do and then the charter stuff. Um, and it's all it's all blue water, you know, offshore blue water type, type stuff. So that's, that's really cool. But... I think that speaks, obviously it speaks volumes about who he is as a person, but I think that speaks too about there's opportunity available if you're willing to go get it. Yeah. And it's not just in the hunting, not just as hunting guy, it's, that's life. If you want something bad enough, you go, go get it, go make it happen. Yep, right. You know, and sounds to me like he just, all of you guys, was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm going to go do this. You know, and I, I love sitting down and, and, and chewing the fat with with people because about stuff like this, because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a unique perspective on this. And no two are the same. You know, they might share similarities, but no two are the same. You know, so you we guys, we probably ought to get wrap up pretty quick here because we gotta go scout. Yeah, we gotta go find some birds. Yep, you know, we gotta find birds for tomorrow, which is which is great. But give you a rundown of what we did this morning. My first crane hunt was an absolute circus. <laughs> horrible results. I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> you know, please don't make me go out again and do that. But yeah, it's just like you said, no wind, glittered skies, they float in, go, no, nah, I don't think so, yeah. you know. We killed we killed some birds. We had yeah. awesome time. We're finicky, man. That it was, was super cool. Yeah, hunting cranes in January is one of those one of those things where it's like, man, we can try. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're they're educated by now by this point. All right, sure. and I love how you called the shot. Shoot at them. Yep. Yeah. Not yeah. kill them. Yeah. Cut so, them. Yeah. Shoot them. You always got to be vague with the shot yep. call. Shoot try, at them. Let, let's try them, guys. Something like that. Giver. Yep. That's the one we did in, in Canada. Is, yeah, Giver is a slang term they use in, in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, so when we're, when we're hunting up there in Saskatchewan, it's, it's always Giver. Giver, eh? That's the shot call. It's Giver. That's funny. So you guide in Saskatchewan. Yep. Do you guide anywhere else but here? Nope, nope, just just the outfit okay. Uh, I'm gonna go up to Saskatchewan with these guys in okay. September. Cool, cool. I know a lot of guys do that. You know, they'll they'll start their year, start their guiding season in September in Saskatchewan or Alberta, go into October, and then by October they're usually coming back down here doing stuff in lower forty eight and then they'll run this program until end of January, first part of February, and then they'll go do Sogies someplace. And right. they're really like journeyman waterfowlers. It's like living in the longest movie you've ever seen in your life. Right. <laughs> that's that's what it's just like. It's like yeah. living in the longest movie. I I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. It's youth is September's a year and a half ago for it's, me. I bet. It's the revenant. It's the revenant. <laughs> <laughs> Just dragging yourself through every single day. Especially last year was last year was kind of a a break almost. I mean, it was a stellar season here, but we couldn't go to Saskatchewan because 
Yes, because of COVID. And that and that was tough on tough tough as a business, you know, to be able to shut down and not be able to do that. I'm gonna have to fix that dog. Quiet. Mine does the exact same thing. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's we weren't able to go up there, and that was you know tough as a business on, on Shane and Cole, his partners up there, standpoint. But you know it was also tough on me banking on that right after. So there's a there's an outfit Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and there's an outfit 306, okay, 306, which is the area code we're in Yeah. Interesting. That's a unit. So if people are listening to this, see this video, watch this, whatever, they can you guys offer hunts either either way. And I'm gonna when I have a chance to sit down with Shane, I'm gonna talk more about that because. But you guys, you've been there and done it. You're gonna go do it. It's still, I was gonna say, I bet it's epic. Yeah, you're shooting ducks with eggshells still on there. It's fun, and, and and on top of that, if if you like wing shooting in general, that's the place to go. Um, just you know, a lot of people think of, of Saskatchewan being too far, but it's really not. Just and people think it just because you're going through a different country. Well, getting through border patrols like it's a breeze. You just as long as you cross your T's and dot your eyes. You can get through it in five minutes. Yeah, and so that's that's what a lot of people when they're, when they're thinking about going to Canada, they process that. You know, they think of their struggles. I might get turned around. You know, they want you to go through. It's they're not working against you. And you know, I've I've ran into my problems with Border Patrol. I've you know I've had my truck torn apart over it was you know just a little bag of meat that I had, and I got my truck torn apart, and they were ripping off door panels and. All kinds of stuff, and that and that sucked. It made me not want to ever go through it again. But, but in the scheme of things, like you know, they're trying to get people through there. We were this year. We were the only people the border patrol signed in like four days. Wow. It was. I mean, they were happy to see us. And so they they want you to go across, and it's no different than driving from Georgia to Oklahoma. Right. If you think of it that way, if it's and if you're flying, it's even faster. I mean, and and going up there and being able to experience the best wing shooting in North America is is something that everybody should do that appreciates birds. I mean, cool. we, we do upland birds. We, you know, we get to hunt Huns and Shark Tail, Hungarian Partridge and mm -hmm. Shark Tail. And, and this year, Shane and I got to experience our first time shooting rough grouse up north in the bush. That was fun. We were uh, four hours north of Yeah. Where our lives even at. So we were way up there shooting rough grouse. And we got to go on a moose hunt and, and experience somebody shooting a moose. That was pretty cool. That's cool. Um, All the stuff you get to look forward to, right? So oh, that's awesome. I would, so tomorrow, what are your plans? Uh, probably end up scouting in the morning. Uh, I can go lock some geese down uh, tonight for, for you guys to shoot at tomorrow morning. Then I'll be probably going an hour southwest of here. Looking at ducks. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And our plan is to fart around here and look for. Yep. Yep. I've got. I've got a. I've got a love pond pinned down and a roost slash love pond. It's holding quite a bit of birds. Plus a bunch of birds coming from a, another roost to to that one. They're staging in that and leaving with the rest of the birds. Cool. So we're gonna. Last night they were. Bad. Bad time. Watch it! What's it, foot? Oh, sorry, nailed it. You got it. 
her nail in this one. I just love the trick we saw. You got any more stuff, Clay? You got any more stuff out there you need? Yeah. Just move it. All right. We'll wrap it up. I need a couple more minutes. We'll wrap it up. We'll call it. Yo, wait, wait. Y'all want to get this shit done before I do that? If you give us a couple minutes, could you? No problem. Thank you. Good? Mm-hmm. All right, so that, that's the game plan. Then we're going to go try to shoot geese yep. tomorrow. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. It's going to be fun. But yeah. if the goose hunt doesn't work out, we'll, we'll you know where we're heading tomorrow. If if the geese are acting right, or if tonight's scout is, isn't going to pan out what right. we want it to be, so you know our second best bet is going to those greens that we saw today in that field. Yeah. So we're going to hold off on that, and if yeah, we might we might kill some more cranes in the end. Yeah. Be it would that would be cool. Be fine with me. So cool. Well, guys. I appreciate it. I yeah. really do. I, th- I think you're sitting down with us and for having us here and for dropping some knowledge on the audience. And, you know, I hope that if there's somebody out there that's thinking about this, thinking of something that they want to do, that they can hear what you guys, your experiences and your, you know, dos pesos and go, I'm doing it. Right. Or I don't ever want to get pulled my truck torn apart by customs. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But it'll be what it's Excuse me, it'll be what it's going to be. So, awesome. Well, thank you guys. This has been great. And let's go shoot some more birds tomorrow. Let's go, Scott.